This episode is sponsored by Libro.fm. Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 125,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, you know the name, but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from the people who know audiobooks best, local booksellers. Listeners of all the books can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code BR3. And as a bonus, sign up now and get five free audiobooks delivered to you on Bookstore Day, a one-day national party that takes place at bookstores across the country on Saturday, April 27th. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 204, and today we are talking about books being released on April 16th, 2019, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Maria Christina Garcia Lynch, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. Hello! Hello! How's it going? <laughs> I know that, that you'd like to pretend like this is totally normal, but I am having such deja vu right now. <laughs> yes, there was a, an unfortunate <laughs> filing, filing? No, file accident. Yesterday I did my taxes, that was a filing accident. Um, so we are recording this show over again. <laughs> But I mean, I don't know, 200-something shows, it's the first time I've ever had to do that, so Aww. I think. Yeah, I think. I think this is the first time. So that's not bad. That's not a bad record. <laughs> I, I broke all the books. <laughs> oh. So. And this is one of the last things you've got to do until, before you head off for vacation. No. So. No. It's no. Looking, it's really dire. It's not looking good. Oh. You know. Today's, I was hoping, like, to get everything done this weekend, but all these obstacles keep getting put in my way so maybe wednesday wednesday and through the weekend so we'll see well let's knock this one out again so that you can <laughs> get to relaxing well it's exciting because we're still talking about books that we love yeah my first one oh my goodness one of my favorite novels of the year it is miracle creek by angie kim so good i cannot believe this is a debut novel cannot believe it so it is about uh, an immigrant family, uh, Young and Pak Yu, with their daughter Mary. They have immigrated from Korea, and they're living in Virginia, and they've invented this device called the Miracle Submarine. It's not actually a submarine, but it's kind of like this metal container. And what it's used for, it's a pressurized oxygen chamber. Um, and it's used to help people with autism or Crohn's disease, infertility, all kinds of diseases that hospitals may not want to use these things for at their facilities. Plus, they can hold a whole bunch of people in one at one time, as opposed to like a hospital, which would just stick one person in a chamber at a time, um, and like charge like charge the insurance company, and they probably won't get covered, and like all this stuff. So like they're they're trying to do good. They're helping out here. But what happens in the very few first few pages of the book is that there is a fire. And then an explosion, because, again, pressurized oxygen chamber. And so now it starts out, there's a trial. Uh, I'm not going to tell you, like, who's on trial, even though she mentions it in the first few pages, because I just want to give it away here. Um, but 
as the trial goes on, like it goes back and forth. You learn all these secrets about uh, some of the people who were there, uh, some of the things going on in the town, um, and, and like who was this fire like on purpose? Like who would have said it? Was it they used? Like were they trying to get the insurance money? You know, they came to America to, to live their dream and things aren't really working out, so maybe they needed the insurance money. Um, was it the single mother whose autistic son was in the, the submarine at the time um, and she was supposed to be there, but she instead was down smoking by the creek? Um, and people, you know, say, like, you know, she thought her son was a burden sometimes. So, like, did she set this fire? Um, it's just, it's so, such an intense courtroom trial. And it's it's a fabulous novel about immigration and racism and the American dream. And so when they give writing advice, they say, lots of, not always, but some people say, like, write what you know. And so Angie Kim herself is a Korean immigrant. She's a former trial lawyer. And she says that one of her children is a, essentially a submarine, had been a submarine patient. Um, and so she took that, write what you know, and like ran with it and made like, the most amazing debut novel. It's so good. Like I could go on about it for the entire show, but I'm not going to. Um, but I almost called it Miracle Submarine because it was originally called Miracle Submarine, but now it's called Miracle Creek. It is Miracle Creek. It is a miracle. It's by Angie Kim. All right, um, and my first pick is The Binding by Bridget Collins. Uh, she's written some YA novels, and this is her first adult title. It is set in an alternate universe industrial revolution era Britain, and when it starts, Emmett is a farm lad still recovering from a mysterious ailment. We're not we're not sure. We're not really told what that was all about. We just know it was something that that necessitated his being tied down for a time. So it's it was pretty serious. Uh, and all of a sudden, he is forced into an apprenticeship to an elderly bookbinder named Serdith. And it's it's not bookbinding as as you may imagine it uh, in this world. A person can share their traumatic memories and their deepest secrets with a bookbinder who will create a book out of it, which effectively wipes those memories from the person's mind. Having your memories absolutely wiped, that sounds like it could be really beneficial, right? Uh, who doesn't have something that they would love to forget? But of course, there are people who will put it to unscrupulous uses. And even the best-intentioned bindings have a be-careful-what-you-wish-for unintended consequences thing going on. And just as Emmett is getting comfortable with, with Serdith, this mysterious old woman who, who's doing all of this magic, he finds out that there's a book about him. Of course, he doesn't know what's in it because if, if there is a book that exists about him, it means that that thing is forgotten. So there's this, this mystery aspect to the book and fantasy. And you've also got a really sweet star-crossed lover's story. And it's all held together by just really gorgeous writing. So if you like books that cross those genre boundaries and you like books about books uh this is a book you should definitely pick up it is the binding by bridget collins all right and speaking of binding today's <laughs> it's the second 
second time you've made that joke to me and it's still funny. I was going to say, I appreciate you laughing again, <laughs> even though you've already heard it. Uh, uh, let's moving on. Our sponsor is Third Love. Third Love is back. If you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you know how much we love Third Love. And support for today's show comes from Third Love. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind. The results, a perfect fit and premium feel. You simply answer a few questions to find your perfect fit in 60 seconds. Then once you receive your bra, you can wear it, wash it, and put it to the test for 60 days. And if you don't love it, return it and Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. It's all part of their 100% fit guarantee. This is hands down the most comfortable bra you'll own, with straps that won't slip, tagless labels, and lightweight, super thin memory foam cups. They even have a line of incredibly soft and breathable cotton bras. So, as I said, we have talked about them, like, for years now, I think. I mean, they're so great, and they've sent us bras. I love my bras so, so much. I usually, like, change up my look every year or 18 months. Last summer, I looked like Mac from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, like, mm-hmm. rocking the sleeveless t-shirt thing every day. Um, and when I was young, I used to wear baseball jerseys all the time, but as an adult, I don't wear them because, like, if you're familiar with baseball jerseys, they have the colored sleeves and then, like, the white trunk and you could always, like, see the outline of my bra, and it felt like with the trunk being white, it really, like, put emphasis on that, so I, I just didn't wear them anymore. And now, like, with the t-shirt bra, like, you can't see the lines, and it's so great, and I bought, like, 50 of them, including a banana pants shirt. hey So, <laughs> like, it's just so exciting to be able to, like, wear what I want again and not have to worry about it and wear tank tops and not worry about the straps slipping. It's, like, really great, so I just absolutely love them. So... Third Love knows that there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they are offering listeners 15% off your first order. You go to thirdlove.com books to find your perfect fitting bra, and you'll get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com books for 15% off today, and we thank them for sponsoring. Yay! Now, where, I lost my notes. It's that kind of day. Oh, okay, here we are. So, <laughs> my next, my next pick is Alice's Island by Daniel Sanchez Arevalo. And it's a kind of mystery, a little bit of a thriller. I re- it's like I just really enjoy this book. So it's about a woman named Alice. And at the beginning of the book, she is seven months pregnant. She's at home. Uh, she has a daughter named Olivia who's six with her husband, Chris. Uh, and she's expecting a baby. Did I already say that? I probably said that. And she's... Uh, they have, like, the perfect marriage. And you know whenever there's something in a book where, like, everyone seems to be... Everything seems to be perfect in someone's relationship that things are going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. So her husband, Chris, is a former, former tennis pro, um, and he sustained an injury. So now he is a businessman, and he's starting up this company making these amazing tennis courts. Like, he has a new idea for the kind of material to put down for a tennis court, and it's really starting to take off, and he's traveling for business. And so she gets this call, Alice does. She gets this call in the middle of the night, and it's a woman saying... Uh, your husband has been in a car accident, and it's really bad. You need to come right now. And when she tells Alice where it is, she's like, that's not possible because he's traveling for business far away from, from where you say that you are. And it turns out that he was indeed there. It was a car accident. She gets there, and, and it's too late. They can't save him. He dies. And so now she's just absolutely stunned. She's pregnant. She's she's lost her husband. She doesn't know what he was doing uh, in, in this area where he wasn't supposed to be. And... She doesn't really know how to react to this, and so what she chooses to do is not tell anyone um, what happened. She just lets his parents think, let her parents think, let her daughter think, like he he died, you know, near where he was supposed to be. And she starts going through his Facebook and his phone and all his papers and everything that she can find. 
uh, trying to figure out, like, why he was there. She has no idea. And she can't find anything, you know. Like, she keeps his phone on because she's hoping that maybe somebody will call and she'll find out, like, you know, oh, it's the person that he was supposed to be meeting or whatever. But she gets nothing. So instead, because it was an accident, she gets an insurance payoff, like a really big insurance payoff, like right away. And so she takes some of that money and she starts traveling the route towards where he was found and bribing people for their security footage on their security cameras and like stores and banks and all this stuff. You know, she's like giving them like thousands of dollars and taking the security footage. And eventually she traces him back and finds out like on several business trips, he, he went this way and traces it all the way to this little tiny island called Robin Island in Nantucket. And so now she goes out to this island. You know, she doesn't want to tell anybody who she is because she doesn't want to scare anybody away if, like, they're worried about his wife being there. Um, and she just kind of, like, looks around and she decides, because she's going a little nutty, that <laughs> she's going to buy she's gonna buy a house there and find out what he was doing. So that is what she does. She buys a house. She moves her daughter. At this point, she's had her baby. They move out there. And so... She's, like, the new neighbor, but she has, like, ulterior motives. You know, she's trying to get to know these people because, really, she wants to find out if any of them knew Chris. You know, she goes to, like, a, a neighbor get-together, and one of the people there is, like, giving her the gossip on all the people, you know, and she's wondering, like, oh, is that woman, she said, who's experiencing a depression lately, is it because she was involved with my husband and, and he died and she's sad? Uh, is that young woman over there who might be pregnant, is she pregnant with Chris's baby? Um, is the realtor who sold me my house, like, does she, did she sell him a house out here? Like, what was he doing? You know, and it's just, it's so fascinating. Um, and, and she, like I said, she goes a little nutty. I'm glad that I had a chance to, to tell this again, because I forgot to mention that there is, there is a raccoon that does not make it out of the story very well. Um, so be heads up for that. Uh, like I said, she lost her mind a little bit, but, um, I just, I thought it was really great, especially because I know it's fiction, but as someone who was with someone for a really long time and had a bomb go off in my life. I really enjoyed how she wasn't portrayed as stupid because you feel really stupid. Like, how could I have not known that these things are going on? Um, and, and I found him to be very sensitive, like about that kind of stuff. Uh, so I just really enjoyed it. It's called Alice's Island and it's by Daniel Sanchez Arevalo. Okay. And my next pick is, is something that I had a little bit of stuff in common with too. Um, it is Magical Realism for Non-Believers, A Memoir of Finding Family by Annika Fajardo. And this is, this is a memoir. Don't pick it up because it has magical realism in the title. This has very little to do with that literary style. But I, I can't necessarily promise that you'll be drawn to it for the reasons that I was though, which are really specific. Uh, Annika's parents are divorced, so are mine. Annika was raised in the American Midwest, me too, and her estranged father couldn't tear himself away from his native Colombia. Uh, same, except my father's from Venezuela. And it turns out that Annika's got a secret half-sibling. So do I. And Annika gave birth to a daughter, I've got one of those. And at Annika's six-week post-delivery checkup, her OBGYN gave her a prescription for Zoloft. Again, same thing. Um, so there, there are books you might avoid because the content is too close to home. But there were just so many similarities that I just, I just had to read this. And I'm really glad that I did. It didn't normalize the things about my family that are pretty crappy, but it was comforting to watch someone else 
navigate something similar and articulate that process with so much grace. And even if you had a 100% conventional upbringing, if that even exists, let's be real, um, this is a book you should check out. It's just, you're, you're going to be blown away by, by the poise that she writes with while still being incredibly human as she tells this, this story um, of what it's like to, to figure out how to be a daughter to an estranged parent, what it's like to become a mother, and how to, late in life, learn to be a sibling. There's just a lot of really fantastic insight here, and it is Magical Realism for Non-Believers by Annika Fajardo. All right, my next pick is actually from last week. Um, it was quite the week this week, so I did not get to all the books I wanted to read for this show, um, but you'll definitely hear about them at another point. So this one is from last week. It's called How to Make Friends with the Dark, and it's by Kathleen Glasgow. And for this one, you will need all the tissues. All the tissues. Um, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful YA novel. It's about a girl named Tiger. She is 16 years old. She lives with her mother. She has always just lived with her mother. It's just been the two of them. They're like best friends. Um, they, they live in a small place. They have a horrible landlord. Her mother works several jobs trying to, to pay the bills. Um, she doesn't know who her father is, where he is, doesn't know anything about him. And at the beginning of this book, um, she's excited because one of her bandmates, she's in a band, um, one of the guys that she know, has known for a very long time, uh, it's kind of, the relationship dynamic is kind of changing and they're going to this dance together. Uh, but she knows that her mother is not going to be happy about it because her mother doesn't want her to make the choices that she has made and is very protective of her. She even, like, dresses her in her clothes. And so she's, like, I'm just going to, you know, rip the band-aid off. I'm just going to tell her. So, like, as her mother is driving her to school, she indeed tells her, like, I'm going to this dance and her mother is indeed upset about it. And so they kind of have this little fight and Tiger goes to school and she's like, she doesn't have a great time at school. She doesn't have a lot of friends. She gets bullied by the mean girls and it turns out her mother dies unexpectedly. And so now she goes from having this day where she's excited to go to this dance. She's a little bummed out about the fight, but everything's going to be okay. Cause you know, she'll talk her mom into it and whatever. Now all of a sudden she's lost her mother. So she doesn't have anybody and she's only 16, which seems like so close to being an adult, but because she's not technically an adult, she goes into the foster care system, and now she is being passed in and out of the foster care system uh, while she's grieving the loss of her mother, uh, and she doesn't, like, know how to handle this or what to do. So there's, like, trigger warnings for grief, for trauma, for suicidal thoughts, um, because, you know, it's an ex grief is an extremely personal thing, and no one experiences it the same, um, but, you know, Glasgow does a really great job making it feel universal, like, explaining, like, how she feels and, and the darkness that you know, is taking over her because of, of her loss and trying to figure out, like, what she's going to do with her life now. Um, it's It was so, so good. Like I said, lots of tissues. Like, just so sad, but so, so good. So again, it's called How to Make Friends with the Dark, and it's by Kathleen Glasgow. All right, and uh, I'm going to take a little break right now to read you the details on our second sponsor, which is... The Fall of Crazy House by James Patterson and Gabrielle Charbonnet. 
Escape is just the beginning. Twin sisters Becca and Cassie barely got out of the crazy house alive. Now they're trained, skilled fighters who fear nothing. Not even the all-powerful United Regime. Together, the sisters hold the key to defeating the despotic government and freeing the people of the former United States. But to win this war, will the girls have to become the very thing they hate? In this gripping follow-up to James Patterson's YA blockbuster Crazy House, the world is about to get even crazier. This is an action-packed dystopian thriller with an unbreakable bond between these twin sisters at the center of it all. And this is written from dual points of view, which is a fun thing if, if you like books with unconventional narrative structures there. And it explores themes of race, segregation, and class. So thank you to The Fall of Crazy House by James Patterson and Gabrielle Charbonnet for sponsoring the show. And uh, we're going to let Liberty sit back and take more of a break while I tell you about my next Yay. pick. <laughs> Get a little bit of vacation in right now. Um, and my next pick is Pilu of the Woods by Mai K. Quen. And this is a graphic novel. It's uh it's it's it says that it's for ages eight to twelve, but this is seriously all ages for everybody in the world because it it deals with how you deal with tough emotions and big feelings, and everyone's got those. And uh, it features Willow, who is this young kid. She takes her dog Chicory out into the woods to stomp off some of her frustration after a fight with her older sister. There are sirens right outside my window. My goodness. (laughs) Um, Sometimes I forget you're so far away, and then I hear all the the sirens, and I'm like, oh, yeah, city. (laughs) Yeah, yep, city life, um, which is one of the reasons why I really enjoyed this graphic novel, because you, you spend a lot of time in these gorgeous woods, as you might guess from the title here. Willow takes her dog Chicory out there. She's just had a fight with her older sister, and she needs to get away. She runs into Pilu, who is a woodland forest sprite slash sapling. She's got leaves for hair, and uh, she introduces herself to Willow, says that she, she ran away from home because she's got lots of siblings, and she feels ignored and neglected by her mother, um... And now she's lost her way. It turns out, though, that Pilu is from the Magnolia Grove that Willow used to visit all the time with her mother. And Willow, who knows from experience that uh, despite this, this fight that she just had with her sister, you probably shouldn't stomp off in anger or frustration, you shouldn't leave things on a bad note with the people that you love. And she says to Pilu that you got to go back. You got to go back and talk to your mom. And I'm sure your mom loves you and wants to hear you out and make you feel better. You're going to regret it if you don't make up. So so come on, I I know the way back to to where you're from, I'll take you there. And 
throughout this journey through the woods to this magnolia grove, they talk about how how hard it is to deal with your feelings and and you have these little feeling gremlins that are shown as as literally bottled up throughout this graphic novel because that's that's how willow has has decided is best to deal with her feelings especially because she made a promise to her mom that she interprets as i need to i need to keep these feelings bottled up and she's desperate to keep that promise because as you learn in flashbacks uh willow's mom has passed away recently so the the two of them willow and pilu end up talking about how you manage these feelings and and they realize that bottling them up isn't necessarily the best course of action there and and they have this this really therapeutic journey into the magnolia grove where where pilu is is welcomed back by her family who who were so worried about her and uh then pilu goes back home and makes up with her big sister and it's it's beautiful just the story itself it's so great and and heartwarming um but also it's it's got great layouts there's full color art it's adorable as heck but maybe my favorite visual aspect is the lettering it's it's fantastic and it conveys an aliveness to the woods when the rustles and all the other wild noises are rendered in this charming calligraphy. I read my digital review copy on my phone and I can't wait to pick up a physical copy so that I can linger more over the pages uh, in, in full size. So this is Pilu of the Woods by Mai K. Quen. All right, and my last pick for today is, can you guess? <laughs> it's going to be, well, so out this week is Amnesty, which is the third book in Laura Elena Donnelly's Amberlow dossier. Um, and I always say, like, the third book in the trilogy, uh, or, like, there are three books in the trilogy. Yeah, because it's a trilogy. Um, so the third book is out. And so I don't think I talked about the first book when it came out, which was, like, uh, I think two years ago. So I thought I'd mention that briefly so that you can have a chance to go back and check out the whole series because it's awesome. I have not read the third book, but I've read the first two. The first one being Amberlow. And it's a queer cabaret spy thriller. Like, nice. Do I need to say anything else? <laughs> really. But I will. So it, <laughs> it revolves around this nightclub, the Bumblebee. And in the city where the bumblebee resides is sort of being overtaken by a fascist regime. I almost said a hateful fascist regime, but that would be redundant. <laughs> uh, so they're, like, coming into power, and things are getting pretty dicey for a lot of people. And so there are three main characters. There's Cyril, who is a master spy. There is his lover, Aristide, who is a smuggler, but also the MC of the bumblebee. And there is Cordelia, who is a dancer at the bumblebee, and she also works for Aristide as, like, a runner in his smuggling business. So, Cyril is a master spy, however, he messes up, his cover is blown, and now he's in a bit of hot water, and he's trying to figure out how to proceed without exposing himself or Aristide to the hateful government, because they are homophobic and just awful, and also figure out, like, how they're going to get out of this mess. 
there's double agents, there's double crossing, like, everyone basically is for themselves, like, who can they trust, like, anybody that even, like, each other, it's really fun, uh, so again, it is called Amberlo, that's A-M-B-E-R-L-O-U-G-H, and it's by Lara Elena Donnelly. Okay, and I'm gonna close this thing out with my final pick, which is Flowers Over the Inferno by Ilaria Tutti and translated by Ekin Aklep. And this is a this is a, a thriller that uh is about a policewoman detective. Her name is Superintendent Teresa Battaglia, and she is a skilled policewoman and a really, really perceptive detective but she's in her 60s and she's feeling betrayed by how her body and her mind is succumbing to the aging process um so there's there's a little bit of it it kind of checks those Angela Lansbury Miss Marple boxes but but also she's portrayed as as more she she has trouble pursuing suspects on foot uh, these days and she is starting to be a little more forgetful than than is preferable when you're trying to solve gruesome crimes and this book starts out with a pretty gruesome crime there's a, a mutilated corpse in the woods and there are lots more gruesome attacks that take place in the course of this book so it's it's pretty grotesque but it's also it's also funny um though the writing is just it's it's funny it's not always funny haha but there's some wordplay that I really enjoy and she's got this uh affectionately antagonistic relationship with a young detective who just got transferred to her squad. Uh, she's constantly ribbing him and he's just losing it and saying like, what do I have to do to make you like me? Um, and it's great because he really is trying to do a good job and she really wants him to get better at his job. And, she is obviously happy to be working with him as much grief as she gives him. And he really wants to to make her proud. And she has she has come to earn his loyalty over the short time they've been acquainted. Um, but an example of the wordplay that I just love is when he arrives to this crime scene late and she points him towards this this mucky stream and tells him to go find something. And he says, what am I looking for? He asked after poking about blindly for several minutes. And she says, the eyes, we haven't found them yet. And I just, I just love the, the wordplay there with what am I looking for? And he's poking about blindly. And what he's looking for are the eyes from this, that are missing from this corpse. It's just, there's, there's stuff like that that makes this, although it is a pretty grotesque read and that, you're going to encounter crime scenes that you hope you never see anything so gruesome in your real life. Uh, it, it's it's something that 
me with my weak stomach, I, I still very much enjoyed reading because everything else about the book was so entertaining. And it's, it sounds ridiculous to say this about this murder mystery thriller, but in the end, it ends up being strangely life affirming. And you'll just have to see what I mean by picking it up and reading it yourself. It is Flowers Over the Inferno by Ilaria Tutti and translated by Ekin Aklep. All right. Yeah. Wrapping, wrapping it up kind of dark. <laughs> Mom, moms didn't make out very well this this episode of all the books. Yeah. That raccoon did not make out well, I, I promise. <laughs> um, so what are you going to read next? Uh, well, I, I, I mean, I know, but you can tell everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as I've already told Liberty, um, I, I am lucky enough to share my household with a person who will just hand me his phone and say, here go on Libby and put on hold any book that you think I should read. Um, So that would be my husband who is currently reading at my instigation, the Flavia Deleuze series. He's just started it and it's been a while for me since that book because there it's a pretty long series. Um, So I am rereading the book that he's reading so that I can talk to him about it without inadvertently spoiling anything. You know, like you hate saying, oh, wasn't that thing that happened in chapter 12 fantastic and and shocking? And they're like, I'm only on chapter nine. So I'm just for insurance. I'm making sure that I am I am familiar enough with the book to not spoil anything for him while he reads it. But I can still talk to him about it. The titles are crazy. They're like, it's like, they're like Mad Libs. I, I'm not entirely certain that he didn't just come up with them. Like, like, I need a color. I need a noun. I need a verb. I need another color. I need a condiment. Like, it's just, it's, they're, the titles just throw me every time. Like, how can everyone remember that when they go into the bookstore or the library and say, I need this book? It's, it's just insane. Yeah, in my head, it's just the one where this thing happens. Yeah. Because, yeah. Oh, crazy. <laughs> so mine what about is you? also it's also about murder, but um, <laughs> it's actually it's actually nonfiction, um, and I cop a hundred percent to purchasing this just for the title. It is Murder by Milkshake, an astonishing true story of adultery, arsenic, and a charismatic killer by Eve Lazarus. And from what I can tell, just like briefly looking at it, because again, I just bought it for the title. Um, it's a true story that took place in Vancouver in the 60s, where there was a man who was married, and he took up with a much younger woman, and they decided to get rid of his wife, so, or at least he did, I can't tell yet. Um, so, plus, it's from Arsenal Pulp Press, which is an amazing small press, so I'm super excited to support them, and also read about murder, so. And it's an astonishing true story that I had been craving a milkshake for days, and as soon as you told me about this book, I'm like, okay, well, I am not going to go out and get a milkshake after we're done recording, as I had <laughs> planned, because now I'm a little paranoid. Um, uh, that's what I'm here for, to ruin all the fun. Oh, speaking of fun, ours is over for today. If you still want to get some banana pants swag, like a baseball jersey, you can go to bookriot.com slash banana pants. Thank you to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M. You can check them out now and get five free audiobooks delivered to you on Bookstore Day, which is April 27th, if you check it out now. 
Uh, thank you to Third Love. Go to thirdlove.com slash books to get 15% off your first order. And thank you to The Fall of Crazy House by James Patterson and Gabrielle Charbonnet. We can find a link to that. I said we can find a link to that. Anyone can find a link to that in the show notes. <laughs> if you want to let us know anything, tell us about murder, milkshakes, um, moms, you can drop us a line at allthebooks at bookriot.com. You can find us on Twitter. I am Miss Liberty. Maria Christina is Meowie Christina. That's M-E-O-W-Y-C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to talk about murder some more today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading.